Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about marketing and sales even more. We will uh, unite them and to create a cohesive plan. So I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Andy Callaghan. How are you? I'm doing well, Alex. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, I love this topic because yeah, as I told you before the podcast, it's a big issue. You know, many companies have no cohesive strategy. And uh, I check out a few studies that salespeople uh, don't trust marketers. So uh, I'm looking forward how we can figure out how it works and to find the best way. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this topic. Sure, no worries. So a um, bit about me. So I am self-employed. So I run a company called AndyCulligan.com. I work typically with fast-paced tech startups, scale-ups, anything beyond that, it depends. I, I go anywhere from low revenue all the way up to 100 million annual recurring revenue. You know, that's sort of my, that's my playground. But um, yeah, I started my career as a seller. So that's probably why um, the, 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 the back or that, that's why I'm so pushed towards marketing and sales alignment. I did study marketing. So my background is I'm Irish. I, um, I grew up in Ireland. I went and studied marketing. Uh, then decided after I finished studying marketing that I actually wanted to earn some money. So then I went into sales. Um, and then after a number of years in sales, after being an SDR and an account manager and so on, I was like, you know what? I think I want to earn less money now. So I went into marketing. Um, so then I, 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 I then went into marketing into mainly focus on lead generation, but I, I gained some experience, um, around marketing technology. So the marketing technology that I was mostly focused on was marketing automation. I had in a previous role um, or in a, in a business that I was running at the time, we managed to create a business in Ireland that was competitor of um, Groupon. If you remember Groupon that did like daily deal vouchers and things like that. And the only way that we could really market effectively was via email marketing, but we didn't have much of a budget for it. And we're talking, it was 2000 and seven, I want to say ish, ish, right? Mm -hmm. So we didn't have any money. Email marketing was right at the start, really. So we were like, okay, how can we create an email marketing platform? So I worked together with a developer to hash together something really easily. Um, and we managed to start off email marketing. And I got really interested then in, in MarTech. So then I went into MarTech uh, working mostly on uh, like, um, on integration and marketing automation platforms, but also mostly focus on lead gen, demand gen. Um, and started working through a couple of companies in the tech space. So I've been senior marketing leader or CMO or VP of marketing for over the past maybe six, seven years or so. At a, at a couple of number or a number of different like uh, scale up startups. Um, and uh, that's been really interesting. And then about a year ago, I said, you know what? I want to take my experience and start something new myself. It's, um, the timing was right. I was I was working with a company called Leadfeeder. I was a CMO there. Most sellers would be familiar mm -hmm. with it. Um, we grew the revenue very, very solidly during that time that I was there. A lot of that coming from inbound. So uh, I was running at a million miles a minute and I wanted to step away a little bit. So the timing was fortunate for me that people started saying, hey, you want to come and work with us full time? And I was like, no, I'm fine. Thank you. But I'll, uh, I'll maybe consult you and see what we can do. And 
from there, I started working almost like a fractional CMO, chief marketing officer, chief revenue officer type of thing. And uh, yeah, like I've been taking my experience and really getting in with organizations rather than just being your typical consultant, I would want to be seen as the go-to person for the marketing team. So like a CMO or in, in some cases also a chief revenue officer working together with the sales teams as well to make sure that they're firing on all cylinders as well, right? Bringing in process, bringing in lead gen programs, understanding what uh, what personas we're selling to, just really like getting executing and getting executing really quick. Because that's like, I, I need to be doing lots of things and getting stuff out the door, right? And that's typically a blocker for a lot of companies, right? They're not getting enough out, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I specialize in. So that's me. Oh. Love your experience. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, looking forward, uh, especially mentioned that you are Irish, you know, and where uh, I cooperated with you, Irish and Scottish people. And, you know, their pronunciation is hard, you know, like my Ukrainian, you know, <laughs> so, but you speak not like this. So, yeah, it's interesting to learn some insights after the podcast, you know, how you can improve it or probably you, uh, <laughs> you have some secrets. I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's talk more about marketing. Uh, can you tell why uh, sales people dis- uh, distrust marketers? What's going on? And, uh, you know, uh, for example, when marketing marketers create a long plan strategy uh, that take, uh, I don't know, like uh, it takes time, you know, to implement, to get results. Uh, but sales people uh, usually uh, want to get sales today, tomorrow or in close time. Can you tell how to unite them uh, to create a cohesive strategy and go ahead uh, yeah, together? Sure, sure. I, so I think the thing is that where most people fall down is that sellers have never been marketers and marketers have never been sellers. So mm-hmm. that's normally that's normally a problem. So they, it, they, it, they, they're like apples and oranges, right? They, 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 you can't say like they understand each other's worlds because they live two different worlds, right? And a, a lot of the time you've got the sellers at the coal face that are there to really... They are the fa- sellers are the face of the organization because they're the people that are that are out there speaking with prospects, understanding the needs of the customer on a day in day out basis. Okay, so they're hearing, oh, I need this problem to be solved, or hey, I know you have this use case, but if we change this a little bit, will that work for us? You know, like the the the, the amount of information that they're digesting on a user side, like so from a potential user side is massive and marketing don't have that. They don't have that context, okay? So Mm -hmm. first off, sellers feel as though marketing don't have the same amount of it or don't understand the product or the company or how to sell as well as they do because they are Mm -hmm. the ones that are constantly speaking with prospects and understanding what the issues are, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, on the same hand, you've got marketers that are also giving out about the sale, the sellers saying, hey, sellers are just going and selling anything and telling them that we can do X, Y, Z when really we can't. That's not our message. Sellers are creating their own message to sell this product, whereas they should actually be selling our product or selling our message, the one that we've come up with as a team because we need to make sure everything is consistent, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the ways to typically solve that, especially if the marketing team don't have sales experience, is the seller or marketers need to get in front of customers. So they need to get in front of customers and they also need to get in front of prospects. One of the easiest ways to do that is events. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you're going to an event, work a booth. Work the booth. Just stand on your feet all day. Get um, 
get people like connecting with people, get understanding what the prospect's issues are, how our product can potentially solve those issues, make mistakes because you're not going to know what the pitch is as a marketer. But actually, as a marketer, you might be able to add something a little bit better to mm -hmm. prospect because you're not going to be going in with a hard sell, right? So prospects are more probably open to you. So if you go mm -hmm. in and start really questioning some of the problems that a, that a prospect is having, they'll probably be more likely to open up to you as a marketer than they will to a seller, right? Mm -hmm. Which then will help you get in more with the sellers because then you're like, okay, I'm after figuring, the, figuring this out about this specific prospect. How about you guys take over the conversation from here on in, right? So that automatically mm -hmm. is like a step in the right direction towards creating a better relationship between marketing and sales. Another thing that I that I do quite often is when I'm working with sellers is I, I teach them how to do marketing. Right. So yeah. one of the one of the core problems that you have quite a bit is with sellers is that they they you've got. Well, you've got two issues normally. It's like, hey, we don't have enough leads or the leads that you're bringing in are really bad. So it's either a quality or quantity issue. There's always an issue, though, and it's either one or the other. Right. And mm -hmm. marketing is always to blame. OK, so if it's a if it's a quality issue and the quantity is huge, right, if the quantity is really big, um, it, it may not be. You want to dig in further as a marketer to understand why you're getting that feedback as as a quality piece. Right. So a lot of the time when you're talking about quality, it might be it might be that the quality is really bad. But a lot of the time is that is that they're expecting inbound demo requests or contact us requests. Right. And. To try to scale contact us or demo requests is almost impossible. Like I've never mm -hmm. been able to do it. I've tried it God knows how many times, but it's really, really, really tricky, right? Um, because there's only a certain amount of demand in the market. It, the timing needs to be right and your product needs to fit their exact needs. And the, the higher you go in terms of the, the, uh, the value of your product, the less of those demo requests you're gonna get in, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of salespeople are like, oh, the demo requests aren't blowing through the roof every month. Therefore, marketing are doing a poor job and they're just giving us crappy leads. Whereas actually, <laughs> oh, we've brought in a thousand leads from webinars and events and ebook downloads and all of these different bits and pieces, right? And it's like one of the core pieces that's missing with the seller is like, hey, by the way, that ebook lead that we brought in or that lead that we brought in via webinar or that, for a good example, that event lead that we brought in that needs to be worked from both marketing and sales. Don't get me wrong. Marketing also still needs to do some work. That's after costing us like 500 euros. So by you mm -hmm. telling me that somebody that our core persona and they are part of an ICP, so an uh, ideal customer, an ideal customer profile company, that's in our tier one of accounts, so like a top tier of accounts, that if we win a deal with them over time, because it's a long play, we need to be creating relationships with people, you're telling me that we should not be chasing those people. And they're like, no, 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 we should be. It's like, okay, but you do know that by you saying that's not good quality because maybe they're not engaged enough yet, that's like mm -hmm. taking 500 euros that we're after spending to get that one person in, throwing it into a trash can, throwing petrol on it and lighting it on fire. And as I, mm -hmm. I didn't realize it cost 500 euros to get that to get that interaction. I was like, yes, that's how much it costs. By us not doing anything with these things, we're putting money into a bucket or into a bin and lighting it on fire. 
right? And it's yeah. it's those types of realizations and understanding, okay, how are we bringing leads in from different channels? What is lead generation versus demand generation? I call it marketing one-on-one and I've got a deck which I bring sales teams through so that they understand, okay, oh, it makes sense now. So there's a bit of understanding for the other side as well. So I'm sorry, that was a super long answer there. <laughs> but I hope that, hope that gave you what you needed. <laughs> Yeah, I love your answer, you know, because um, I, I had a few questions during your answer, but you replied to <laughs> these questions as well. So you, you you don't need to have a host <laughs> who can ask uh, questions because, you know, you can read the mind, you know, to understand <laughs> what to, uh, to share. Okay, uh, interesting. Can, uh, and you mentioned uh, that you teach salespeople uh to understand marketing on uh, or learn a little bit about marketing because you know for example i usually teach my customers about seo because uh, i get much higher results uh, with customers who understand seo because without understanding it's the same like i don't know if someone wanna lose weight if they don't understand how to eat right how to i don't know uh, uh, train hard uh, Coaches can't help them. Uh, any uh, people, uh, the best coaches in the world can't help them because they don't understand the process and why uh, it's important to do it. It's the same with SEO, with marketing. I think salespeople need to understand marketing. Uh, marketers need to understand sales. Uh, then results be much better. Can you tell your methods, how you teach salespeople people to learn about marketing uh, do you have some special checklist or uh, how you provide insights about marketing campaigns why it's important or anything else how you can help sales people to understand marketing sure sure so i um i've got a i've got i basically have a deck which is my marketing 101 which i bring mm -hmm. quite a few especially sdr teams so more junior sellers that maybe don't have the experience working with marketing teams yet and so on, right? And I, I'll run a half-day session with them to say, hey, this is what marketing is. I call it marketing 101, right? What's lead generation? I'll have it, I'll have it like interactive. I'll be asking questions like, oh, tell me what lead generation is. Tell me what demand generation is. And both they're like, oh, uh, tell me what SEO is. Uh, do you know how to, do you know what keyword research is? Just really starting from really basic, basic, basic things. And then I'm at, then I'm saying, hey, you do know that we are doing all of these different bits here in this organization. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, I didn't realize that that was what was happening. Because a, a lot of the time people are thinking, oh, marketing are just off there doing their own thing. They're making the T-shirts for the business run or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, it's really just making a, a very simplified approach in terms of how marketing works because as i said no they, they're not marketers they, they typically don't have the experience yeah. of being marketers right and it's funny that you mentioned like um losing weight as a as an analogy there because yeah people will always fail when they try to get a quick fix for losing weight so there's normally a lot of interest in at the start like oh you know i'm going to do xyz and i'm going to cut out carbs and it does things as long-term strategies never work or even yeah. medium-term strategies never work, right? It's funny because my wife is a nutritionist. So she's like, she has a lot of people that come to her 
and are like, oh, you know, I want to lose weight real quick. And, you know, I'm just going to just eat chicken breasts for the rest of the year, you know? And they're like, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. Once you get sick of chicken breasts, what's going to happen? It's the same with, it's the same with people that come to like sellers that come up crazy marketing strategies to get quick leads in through the door. And you maybe um, get that initial like sugar rush of leads, but then it just fizzles out, right? And it's not sustainable. So I think it's about, as you just mentioned there, like that bit is like, how do you create a, a sustainable marketing system that mm-hmm. is a machine that keeps on running almost autonomously month after month and enabling the sales team with leads and so on. That's what we want to aim towards. Yeah. And you know, the most popular uh, keywords that I found uh, in the topic uh, weight loss, uh, how to lose weight, uh, like how to lose 10 pounds for a month. Uh, some landing pages promise uh, to lose 20 pounds for two weeks. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. And many, something like this, because people are looking for simple ways, you know, how to cheat the system, how to game it. But, you know, you can't cheat the, uh, our nature, you know, our body. It's hard. It's hard uh, and it's a long playing game like uh, in marketing, like at, at any niche, for example, even to learn foreign language. Uh, I don't know, like how to learn French for uh, two months and speak like native speaker. I'm not sure it's possible. Uh, I don't know. It's possible. If, yeah. If you have some the best mind in the world, I don't know. I don't know, like one, two people in the world. But in most cases, it's hard. You need to go ahead, uh, not for months, years, you know, to learn this language, to practice, to go ahead. Yeah, I think any niche uh, uh, takes time, you know, learning about this. And um, in marketing, we always uh, think about uh, uh, loan strategy. Can you tell how to create this marketing strategy? Because, you know, I see when uh, companies use generic methods. I check out a few studies online that uh, 30% of cost of companies, uh, they create, uh, they, they have no uh, documented uh, content strategy. They usually take uh, generic topics and uh, try to implement them. But... It's better to learn customers. It's better to uh, understand uh, what kind of results you want to get, to learn your competitors. Uh, Can you tell about creating a marketing strategy that will provide results? Sure. So (laughs) above all else, when it comes to creating a marketing strategy, when I say to marketers, just uh, be proper, be, be a marketer, right? Be creative. Come up with some crazy ideas that the competitors are not doing, right? That's always my sort of go-to. I want to have a bit of fun because otherwise I get bored. And I get bored if I'm not being creative. So I'll do some like crazy direct mail sends. I'll do some crazy campaigns because I think there's just too much boring shit out there. So excuse my cursing, but I just think there's there's too much boring stuff. But if you want to talk about a marketing strategy, um, I think it's First of all, you need to you need to try to connect that up to what your sales team are doing or what your sales team's targets are. So we need to be looking at our numbers um, based on based on like okay, what what are the sales team targets for the upcoming year? How can marketing help attain those numbers? I'd normally start with okay, like what's our what's our total revenue number? How's that broken down per region? And then I'd be looking to break that down into what our pipeline value needs to be. So what's the conversion rate between open pipeline to closed pipeline? So how many opportunities do we need to open in order to hit that revenue number, basically? And then I'd be building backwards from there being like, okay, how many companies do we have that we can potentially target in that region? Okay, so 
let's say, for example, in Dach, so Germany, Austria, Switzerland, we may need to bring in a total of 20 new customers next year. We have a total addressable market of about, let's say, 2,000 potential companies that we can be working with. Therefore, I will start to dig down into a strategy to be able to get access to those 2,000 companies. What are those things that I'll do? It'll be a mix of content strategy, so creating content which is applicable to those particular accounts. Then I'd be looking at what events, what events can we go to that are going to be interesting to these people or to these companies? And what are the other digital strategies that I'll be looking to do? So for example, like a paid media strategy, uh, like all, all online channels I'll be looking at. Then I'd be looking at other offline channels like direct mailers. And how can I sort of tie it all up together and start targeting those list of accounts? So it's like a, a complete account-based marketing method, right? And then I'd be basically taking those exact same list of accounts and I'd be handing those over to the sales team and being like, okay, guys, we're going to start targeting all of these 2,000 accounts via marketing campaigns. We split them into a couple of different tiers. So we're going to spend more money on the ones that are going to be bringing in the more revenue and less less money on the ones that are bringing in less revenue. Um, but I would say that um, like you guys need to go now target per quarter about 250 of these accounts um, so that you don't get overwhelmed. But any of the marketing interactions that are coming in in the other accounts, we're going to notify you about because maybe it makes sense for you to start following up with those accounts to start to show traction. And sales mm-hmm. are like, oh, you're actually, oh, we're on the same team here. Okay. So like, I'll take, I'll be like, your accounts are my accounts. Okay. So we're all, we're all working from the same list. And I'm only trying to do marketing interactions with the companies that you're trying to gain traction with. So that when mm-hmm. you're picking up the phone doing cold outreach, it could be the difference between you picking up the phone and saying, hi, this is Andy Culligan from andyculligan.com. Instead, I'm getting a, a who from where. You could be getting like a who from, oh, yeah, I know andyculligan.com because you guys have been chasing me all over the internet. It, it's mm-hmm. that little that little piece that it's not nothing major, but it's a little piece that enables you to have that bridge to have a connect, right? And yeah. that's that's in early stage businesses. That's where marketing can be very, very beneficial to sellers, right? Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, and yeah, I have the question about uh, the best resource of learning customers. Uh, for example, you know, uh, I see when uh, marketers usually check out online studies or uh, tools, but I think the best resource is to talk uh, with uh, salespeople, you know, who sell products and speak directly with customers. Even more, the best resource is to speak directly with customers if you have this opportunity, but you can get a lot of data from salespeople as well. Can you tell what kind of questions to ask uh, from salespeople uh, to create this marketing strategy? Because, you know, um, I see when landing pages are overwhelmed with information that people don't need it. Customers uh, have their priorities. It's not personalized. It's generic. Uh, and uh, simplicity is key when uh, customers open a landing page and can find what they are looking for uh, when they can get information uh, that can decide their problem, simplify lives. Can you tell about questions uh what to learn from salespeople to create the right marketing strategy so yeah i i i think well there's there's one step i put even in before that is that marketers need to start talking to salespeople. i think that that is something that a lot of marketers don't do 
that they don't yeah. speak with salespeople on a regular basis, right? So when I come in and take over a marketing team, typically I'd ask the question to, to marketers. I'd say, okay, um, so tell me about the last, so tell me what day of the week is your one-on-one -on -one with a seller? And mm -hmm. the normal answer is uh, what day of the week? I mean, like we maybe speak once a quarter or so. And I, I'm, okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's wrong, right? So typically you'll have like marketers, the only time they'll have real access to salespeople is either at an event or at a company meetup or something, or if they're based in the same office, they'll maybe have a coffee together, which is actually perfect because then you can chat through things. But marketers should be the ones to push to spend time with sellers because sellers are so busy selling that they won't find the time to come to you. They'll be like, I'll figure out a way. It's fine. I don't need marketing. That's like the seller's mindset. I don't need marketing to sell. I'll manage. But marketers need sellers to market because otherwise then their their value is gonna is, is gonna diminish. They're not gonna be seen as a valuable source, resource in the organization if they're not helping salespeople sell. Right. So I think some of the questions that you should be asking salespeople and really on a on a regular basis, so if it's not weekly, but bi-weekly or something, is understanding what is what type of deals are ending up in the pipeline. So what understanding what type of customers are we really or what type of what type of prospects are we really resonating with with our current message right so are we are is our current deal size increasing or is it decreasing if the mm -hmm. deal size is increasing we're doing a good job right if it's decreasing then we're going after the wrong market so we need to then start maybe focusing our efforts on changing what our ideal customer looks like, or maybe we need to be going after a different segment in said market, right? Mm -hmm. Now that's on marketing plus sales, but marketing should be really the ones to really dig into it. Like I always dig into these things. I really want to understand exactly what's happening in the pipeline at all times. So if you really want to get in a good side of sellers, just like dig in everything about their pipeline. Like how much is in your pipe right now? Anatoly, tell me how much you have in your pipe. How much coverage do you need to have in your pipeline in order to hit your target? Oh, you need to have a 6X coverage. 6X, oh, that's quite a bit, actually. Normally, companies should be at around 4 to 5X. 6X is way too high. How can we help you maybe get from uh, a 6X down to a 4X coverage? So meaning that for every six opportunities you open, you only get one. How do we maybe change that to every four that you open turn into one. So maybe there's some stuff that we can be doing from a marketing perspective to go market the hell out of those people that are getting to that stage with specific content. Speaking about that specific content, what type of content do you think will work? We have some good success stories here. Maybe you can plug those success stories in at that particular stage. How can we help you get the velocity up? So it's like, a, it's really trying to understand their world because re, reality really, they, they're talking their pipeline day in, day out. So for them to give you that insight about that pipeline and what's resonating at different stages in the pipeline is relatively easy for them to do. And they, the one thing about sellers is they like talking about themselves, right? So and what's happening, what's working, what isn't, right? So I think that is one of the areas that I would always focus on when speaking with sellers is understanding what's happening on their side, like really understanding the pipeline, right? Yeah. Um, and understanding the numbers. And then with that, then you're, you're able to give them some of the things that you're working on as a marketer to say, hey, that might help out at this particular point in the pipeline. Why don't we try this? And they're like, oh, that's interesting. So that, that's, how I'd, I, that's how I'd approach that conversation. Always be focused on pipe. 
Nice, nice. Love it. Uh, you remind me Bill Gates, you know, uh, once he shared interesting thing. For example, uh, he shared an example. Uh, if uh, he has two products, A and B, after investing X money to A and B, uh, let's imagine B uh, sells two times more. So uh, the second time he doesn't invest anything to a product A because uh, he invests all money to product B because he can sell two times more. Uh, can you tell about priorities? Because, you know, I see when companies uh, have limited resources, but try to sell all products, but we have best selling products uh, and uh, I don't know, like 20% of products can bring 80% of revenue. Uh, tell about uh, choosing priority as Bill Gates uh, does, uh, many others, uh, great marketers, uh, he's not marketer, but okay, uh, entrepreneurs uh, can provide something like this. It's very, it's very hard that because you've got a lot of, especially companies that are looking to scale very quickly, they want to have their finger in many pots, right? Um, yeah. But the, the, the issue, the issue with doing that is you create a lack of focus. Um, and even though there might be something shiny on the horizon, uh, the, like, let's take, for example, a specific vertical or an industry that's really, really, oh, this is the, the next hot up and coming vertical so we need to go deep in there you end up losing sight of why you're originally here right so you you maybe lose sight of the customers or a vertical that you've been particularly good in right um and you may you may not even have a product market fit yet so by even putting focus onto growing in a specific vertical your product may not fit that market just yet so you end up having sellers as well confused like, oh, should I be selling into this vertical versus that vertical? Okay, if I go sell into that vertical, then the, the, the existing vertical that we're doing quite well in, I'm going to have to leave that for a little bit to go focus on the other vertical for a bit. This is something I see quite a bit with companies, right? Like rather than focusing on, like rather than saying, okay, do we sell X product versus Y product? It's more oh, let's go after this particular vertical because it's nice and shiny. And then when we start investing in that vertical, we're like, why hasn't this turned into money overnight? You know, because it takes time to, to build, yeah. right? It takes time to build up these things. And there's no, you put it, you put it nicely earlier, Anatoly, there's, there's no like quick fix. There's no like, you might see some success in the beginning, but typically then there's like a point in between where things really slow down and go very quiet. And then do you say, oh shoot, like we now panic and start reverting back to what we were doing before or do you try to ride it out? And most people will be like, oh, panic, let's hit the eject button and go back to what we were doing before. But then you've lost months, right? So, and it, it's it's really a timing game and it's about compounding the amount, of, the amount of pipeline that you're able to create and the amount of touch points you're able to get in by your sellers and the amount of touch points you're able to get in from your marketing team in one given vertical about one specific message. Because what that does as well, it compounds in the prospect's mind and you become more and more relevant the more of those touch points you have with those prospects. But if you're trying mm -hmm. to spread yourself all over the world in many different verticals, you're only going to be scratching the surface. So you're going to be going a mile wide and a half an inch deep, right? Whereas you could be going, I don't know, 10 feet wide and 10 feet deep with one specific focus. Now, you won't grow as quickly as a business, but you'll probably grow, I think what we'll see now, going forward over the next year or two especially with the way the economy is going that we're going to be looking at efficient growth 
rather than growth at all costs. We're already starting to see mm-hmm. that with VCs, with venture capitalists. They're not look at the conversation is so funny because I work with so many businesses and I've worked with so many VCs that the conversation from five, six years ago was grow, 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 grow. Just throw money on it and we'll see a return at some point. Nowadays, it's like, how close are you to profitability? How can we get you to profitability? So the conversation has taken a 180 degree turn in the past year to be purely Mm -hmm. focused on profitability rather than just how many logos can you get up on the wall? So I hope that answered that question. That was a very long answer. (laughs) Valuable, valuable. Uh, I remember when um, uh, once I read the story of Walmart and uh, in the first 10 years, Walmart uh, uh, had only two shops. Uh, so uh, it took time, you know, to uh, create this network, you know, to build all this, uh, I don't know, uh, to scale the business. Um, and uh, it's the same with any niche, you know, uh, companies uh, build high expectations. They want to uh, grow fast. And uh, uh, the main reason, because they read case studies. Uh, but in case studies, people usually share uh, success, not failures. You know, <laughs> I think failures uh, are the same, uh, are the part of the process. You know, without failures, you don't know exactly what actually works. And that's okay. You know, for me, it's it's hard to count how many times I failed. A lot of times, you know. But I can learn. I can go ahead, overcome obstacles, uh, get new experience, and. Of course, uh, I don't try any key study that I failed, 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 then uh, finally succeed. Of course, uh, in most case studies, we read information how someone could achieve high results fast. Uh, and that's okay. You know, it's our psychology. Okay. I have the question about uh, storytelling. Can you tell? For example, I watch a presentation with Tim Cook about new Apple Watch. You know, after that, I bought three pairs because I can't buy just for me. I need to buy for my wife, for my kid, because they probably kill me, you know, if I do, don't buy for them. But, you know, uh, and Tip Cook uh, shared three stories, how uh, Apple Watch can simplify my life, how uh, Apple Watch can decide my problems. Uh, and, you know, uh, after watching this, uh, you know, I got the feeling I I own them, you know, uh, I, I can feel on my hand, you know, uh, but I see when uh, marketers create generic uh, marketing campaigns that are boring, not interested, uh, and they share a lot of features that other products might have. For example, I, I'm pretty sure that Apple Watch uh, has some unique features, but in most cases, other watches have the same features, and but they don't tell me about the features they share uh, about uh, something that can help decide my problems. Can you tell about sharing stories? How it's important today to share story in your marketing campaign and explain to salespeople that it's important to use them? Sure. I mean, from, from my side, I said this already, the difference between being great are good and great nowadays is uh, creativity, right? And yeah. that's why we became marketers, okay? So there is so much boring stuff in, in B2B marketing. Like I'm a B2B marketer. I've, I have always been a B2B marketer. I love B2B marketing. B2C marketing doesn't do it for me. I just don't, I, I, I don't enjoy it, right? Um, but I, I think in the in the creative piece, I think this is where you can get like this is where the magic can happen. Okay, so 
I'll give you some examples. Um, I've worked in an industry and I'm currently working with, with one specific company. You're in a space that's highly competitive, uh, full of like hundreds of independent vendors in the space. And then you've also got giants that are also competing for the same business amongst, for example, uh, retailers, e-commerce uh, companies like that. And they, they, they you, be, you would be working or you'd be prospecting against companies like Salesforce, Adobe and Oracle. Right. So monsters in the tech space. Right. So everybody knows Salesforce. My mother knows who Salesforce are. Right. And it's it, as well. You still have this old adage of nobody ever got fired for buying IBM. Right. So nobody ever got fired for buying Salesforce or nobody ever got fired for buying Adobe. So you need to be standing out, first of all, amongst those larger cloud platforms. And then second of all, amongst all of those hundreds of other independent players that are also trying to get the market share that are in that mid-market space below that enterprise space where the monsters are, okay? How do you do that? How do you stand out amongst the Salesforce, Adobe's, Oracles, et cetera? And how do you then also stand out amongst a really, really loud market where everybody's saying that they do the same thing? You do crazy shit. You do stuff that's really interesting, that people laugh at, that people enjoy, right? That, that's the thing. And that's where I've always done really, really well. An example. Okay. So back in, and I actually have it behind me. Give me just a moment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I did a campaign. I did a campaign years ago. Okay. Where I was competing against, uh, I was competing against the bigger cloud platforms, right. Working for one of those independent vendors. Mm -hmm. And we used to bring a lot of direct mailers into, into what we would do. So direct mail putting something in a package, sending it out in the post, okay? I was really lucky to have a great design team and a great like little little group of people in the marketing team where we used to just brainstorm crazy ideas and be like, that's excellent, let's try it, okay? So one of our direct mailers, we did them once a quarter, like a large direct mail piece whereby we would spend somewhere in the region of about, probably about 40 euros per send, which is relatively high for sending out maybe 100 of them, right? maybe 200. One, one of them that we did was we wanted to compete against the larger cloud platforms that had been, those cloud platforms came into existence because they bought a lot of other piece, they bought a lot of other technology, try to plug it all together. And now that's our full cloud platform, right? That's how they came into existence. Okay. So Salesforce Marketing Cloud, for example, was a was a mix of a couple of different platforms starting with Exact Target, which they bought back in 2015, 2014, 2015, and then some other systems and tools as well that they also tried to plug in. So difficult for those larger cloud platforms to really plug all of these things together to make everything work very well, and especially in real time. So what do I mean by real time? Somebody comes to your website, they fill out, a, they put something into their basket in order for you to send a push notification on the website immediately before they leave, that's very difficult to do that in, in real time for those larger cloud platforms, at least it was back then, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did was, okay, like let's do a play on their data piece, okay? Like we knew this from like our, our the, from speaking with prospects, they were, they were giving us the information to say, hey, look, we're not too happy with how the data is and how it works in real time and it's a bit clunky and so on. So what we did was we bought every single Jenga set. If you're familiar with Jenga, you know, the blocks mm -hmm. that you, that you, this kids game that you play. So we bought every Jenga set in the UK. We literally sold out every store in the UK for Jenga sets. Couldn't get enough of them. 
and we created this sleeve that we put over. So it was like, how will you stack up against the data blocks? And our our we had this over a Jenga set, right? And we basically our play we had a, we had an insert card as well, which was like, hey, we have been built from the ground up, unlike the unlike the, the cloud platforms. We have a, a solid data structure. Everything was built together as one system, one tool, and we we make sure that our blocks are built solidly so it doesn't collapse. Okay, put that in the box. Sent that out to every major retailer across Europe, and we ended up winning some of the larger retailers in Europe multi multi hundred thousand dollar deals a year just from that right nice. so people were laughing putting it up on linkedin being like this is amazing that this little company you know is is doing this so it was creative we said it took us a couple of weeks to think it out plan it out and get it out the door but it worked right so yeah yeah nice love it love it yeah uh andy i have the final question uh let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience knowledge skills what will you do today to learn more about sales and marketing together okay so you need to you need to start following some people on linkedin i think it's probably the the best like uh, the best way forward there are really really good people out there so if you follow people like dale dupree from the sales rebellion follow uh, Morgan Ingram, uh, JB Barrows, uh, Michael Hansen. Um, they all give like very, very like detailed advice on how to do certain elements of the sales mix. So you'd be looking at things like cold calling, cold outreach, um, uh, like emails, LinkedIn outreach, et cetera. Um, I'd also be following another, another guy, Alexander Lowe, who, who is very, very good when it comes to social selling. When it comes to, when it comes to marketing side of things, um, I think, yeah, you also need to start following the same people, similar people. It is harder to find those people that are about marketing, though, that are really actually doing. I think marketers, the thing about marketers are we're really good at selling ourselves, right? So we're really good at marketing. So uh, mm -hmm. to give those actionable tips, I would say follow people, for example, like uh, Alice from Cognizant, who's a CMO over at Cognizant. She's fantastic. So she's she's really, really solid marketer and she's built that business amazingly over the past couple of years. Um, so if you follow anything that Cognism are doing, it's mostly coming from Alice and her team there. Like really, really solid tips and advice. Um, I think uh, Chris Walker is another good one to start following as well. Chris talks a lot about how things are changing from lead gen to demand generation. Um, there's also some uh, some other guys. Their names are leaving me now, but they are they're also Ukrainian, Anatoly. They're based mm -hmm. out of Croatia. Um, oh dear, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But I, I, I I'll hand the name over to you afterwards, Anatoly, if you want to send them. Okay, the yeah. Afterwards. They're really great. They're really great. You 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 run by Ukrainian guys and fantastic stuff about ABM and account based marketing okay thank you yeah and guys uh i wanna uh mention one more uh, uh man 
it's better to follow him. Uh, Andy, <laughs> find his uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, everywhere, and follow him. Tell our audience how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, how to follow you, which uh, where you are more active and provide valuable insights. Sure. So I'm uh, very active on LinkedIn. So if you find me on LinkedIn, you'll just find me at Andy.Culligan. So you'll just search my name, you'll find it. Um, but uh, you'll also get me on my website, andyculligan.com. I've got some good use cases there as well, just some of the companies that I work with or have worked with and I'm currently working with. Um, so uh, I put up regular dog walking videos on, uh, on LinkedIn. You may see them. So I go walk my dog every day. And that's typically where I spout a lot of different knowledge and tips and so on that just come out of me because it's the easiest. It just stuff flows out of me when I'm out walking the dog. So, so yeah, it just... Follow me on LinkedIn. It's the best place to get me. Nice, nice. By the way, I, I, I love the strategy. You know, when you are so busy, many things to do. But sometimes when you have only time to record a new video, when you are walking with dog or exercising or anything else, I, I use this opportunity because <laughs> I have no another time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay, Andy, it's a big pleasure to get you on my show, to learn from you. You share a lot of valuable insights. Welcome back anytime to share more value. Guys, you can find uh, Andy Kelligan uh, in the description below, all his social media profiles, his website. Follow him, learn from him, uh, reach out to him and tell that you found him on our podcast. Guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.